Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 58. Um, it's been a while since our last episode. Uh, we took a little bit of a break. We had just a ton of test drives and ratio was on like 10 in you know a matter of a month. So we just had to take a little bit of a break. Uh, but we're back now and we're here to talk about some interesting things. Horatio got to drive the M3 and M4 xDrive. Uh, I test drove the Alpina. Horatio also drove the M440i Grand Coupe, which is interesting. And uh, towards the end of the episode, Horatio's going to tease a brand new M product that he's going to be seeing next week. So that should be interesting. Uh, so to start off, uh, hey man, welcome back. Hey Nico, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, uh, just sorry to everyone, we took a little time off, but... Uh, we're back. There is a lot of uh, product to talk about. I think in the next few weeks, um, we will hear some news and uh, two series and some new brand new BMWs that we'll talk about it today also, and then a lot more coming up. So um, stay tuned. Um, it'll be quite exciting end of the year. So with that being said, I can just kick it off honestly with the M3 M4 X drive. I believe it's um, it's a review that a lot of people have been waiting for for a while. I recall getting a lot of emails and messages saying when it are the reviews coming out and i think uh, the europeans managed to get theirs in a little bit sooner especially the uk people but uh, bmw north america uh, hosted their annual uh, test fast which is at, uh, in palm springs usually at the uh, bmw performance center or thermal club or basically they bring a lot of cars to test drive and by a lot i mean i believe this year they had over 60 or 70 cars there uh, some of them were the same, the same kind, same variant, but just different colors or different configuration. But um, uh, we've had, you know, M3s and M4s, the the new two series coupe, the uh, X3M and X4M facelift. Um, what else? Uh, mini products, quite a few mini products from new to old. The uh, BMW Motorrad was there. I mean, honestly, there were so many things to test in two days, and. Um, you know, and there is always a track component too, so it's not just street driving. And there is a track component, which makes it a lot of fun. So, um, without, yeah, yeah, I have to ask. Sure, sure. Did you get to test those classic minis, Jeff? I only, I only jumped into the mini one, I believe it was, which is super tiny. But I, but I did go for a quick drive. I drove them in the past, so they were kind of similar to what I've had in the past, and they're always a blast. They're just a little bit too tiny for me, but uh, they're a riot, and they're so they're they're so analog they're so old school it, it's really hard to explain um yeah can i ask is that red you the red one the red one yeah that, that had like the monte carlo like yeah. livery mm-hmm. on it that's the one i drove in monterey and yeah much it's like one of my yeah. favorite drives of all time uh so i was like i was so jealous that people were able to drive it like at a, in a more extended capacity so i was really hoping that you had some interesting things to say about it yeah, I mean, basically, honestly, the cars were just sitting there. I mean, there was a lot of time that you could have spent with each car. I think that's what makes this event, you know, quite great. And I even told BMW that just the fact that you can pick whatever car you want and just, you know, go out for as long as you want. You try yeah. to be, uh, you know, mindful of others that want to jump behind it, especially if it's a new car that everybody wants to drive. But they had really a lot of product this year, so there was really no wait time for any car. I mean, even the 2 Series M240i was available in, you know, two, three different colors, and there were plenty of them. So even if you wanted to go on track or off track, uh, there were like a separate fleet for for that. So there was never a wait time. And 
the best part about the event really is that you do get to spend a lot of time on track. I mean, if you really want to go on track all day long, you could start at yeah, 9 a.m. and you, they kick you out at 5. So you can really do eight hours of track time with their and own cars, like, with their own tires. Right. Yeah, they're usually like five different, five or six different cars too that you can use on track usually. So you can like really have fun all day long on the racetrack in different cars. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, it's so usually have, pretty extensive. So they had the M3, M4 rear wheel drive and all wheel drive. They had the uh, M240i and probably my favorite, which I can talk about in the next episode. So we don't give away the whole thing today, but the M5CS. So I drove the M5CS before like on the road, but on, on the track, it's a, uh, it's a different ball game. And I'll save that for the next episode. I promise you it will be absolutely worth it. A fantastic car. So uh, M3, M4, X-Drive. So before I, before I even jumped behind the wheel, what I wanted to do really was go for a drive in the uh, rear wheel drive uh, competition model. So I picked one up and I went for a drive around, you know, Palm Springs. Uh, there are some curvy, nice roads. There's not much traffic, especially that early on. So I was able to kind of push the car and get a feel of, you know, what it feels like. And then the idea was that I want to do that before I jump behind the wheel of the new, you know, M3, M4 with, a, uh, with an X-Drive. And um, the afternoon was really spent... Uh, driving the car on the track, and that was probably that was probably where you where you start to realize the differences between the two cars. Like on like on the road, there is not much of a difference that you can really feel right away. Like unless you're on, uh, you know, icy conditions or maybe a really cold pavement, or there is you know sand on the road, like in some areas around Palm Springs, then the traction will be great in both cars, especially if they run on the same tires and all the configuration. So there is not much difference there. Honestly, you have to be a really, really good driver to kind of tell in which car you're in. And that's kind of what's interesting about the cars too. There is no badging on the um, X-Drive model. So you won't really know if you're driving a rear-wheel drive or an X-Drive, which is quite unique. Unless you get inside and you look at the uh, you know, iDrive system, you're not going to be able to tell which one is it. Is that intentional or is I, that just like pre-production honestly, products? I, I think it's intentional because I looked at the uh, photos that, uh, that were published and I believe uh, those on the official ones, you know, when the car came out, I didn't see the uh, X-Drive badge on it. So there were probably just too many badges, you know, competition, X-Drive, and all that. Right, so they right, maybe yeah, wanted yeah. to keep it off. Or maybe they just wanted to say, hey, you know, there is not much difference in between the two. It's really your choice because you can always turn off the, you know, MX drive on the car and go into two-wheel drive mode and kind of get a, Similar experience. But um, before I jumped on the track, right, so let's focus on the driving experience or the track experience. I wanted to kind of get a ride with uh, one of the pro drivers there. So, um, uh, Bill Oberlin there, John Edwards, and Connor DeFilippi. They're all BMW Motorsport Pro Works drivers. So, you know, the best that you can get, uh, you know, from, uh, from the guys in the U.S., and the idea there was really to see what the cars can do with a pro driver. So I jumped behind the wheel with um, Bill Haberland, we, we've known each other quite well. You know, we had a podcast, so I definitely encourage you to uh, to listen to that one. He's a, he's a super, super nice guy, and he has a lot of stories to share. And we went for, I don't know, quite a few hot laps. And I mean, by hot laps, I mean, Bill was driving that car like he stole it. I mean, he really pushed the car, like, close to, like, a racing format, especially since in front of him we had John Edwards in a different car, and they literally started to race each other. Yeah, I mean, they were like, you know, bumper to bumper at some point. And that was quite fun because, uh, you know, I managed to capture that on video. So that's on YouTube. And you can see the two cars, you know, chasing each other. You can also see, you know, the car in front of us drifting. You can also see Bill drifting. Uh, I think he managed to get 185 yards with the um, M-Drift analyzer. And I think John Edwards, uh, you know, Bill said he's a little bit 
better when it comes to drifting. And I think John Edwards got 350, 360, which was incredible. Yeah, he managed to do two two corners, you know, back to back drifting, and that was uh, that was quite cool. But um, the idea was really to see what a pro driver, you know, thinks about the uh, the X drive system in the M3, M4. And I asked Bill right away the question: so which one would you pick if you had a choice? And he did not even blink. He said, "Absolutely, the X drive system." And I asked him why, and he said, "Because you know, you don't really have to be a good driver without car on the track to go fast. So there is very little input that you have to to give to the car to be able to you know attack every single corner at high speeds, come out of the corner. You don't have to worry about the tail spinning too much. You're not going to lose that track." And he said that, you know, that's not just the safest car like on the track for you, but it's definitely going to make you the faster guy. So, of course, then we had to see, you know, how do the two cars compare, right? Are you able to drive and, you know, the X-Drive, I think it was an M4 that we picked or two of them. So in one car, I had John Edwards and then the other one, Bill. And basically, I had him go head to head on a, in a uh, drag race. So I did, a, you know, three, four runs. I managed to capture some of that on video, so you can definitely watch that on YouTube as well. And clearly, the um, the X-Drive M4 was faster. I mean, you could see it even from, from launch control. They use the same sequence launch control. The the X-Drive would just pull away immediately by at least, you know, half a car. And then as you get close to the end, there was at least a car length in between the two. Uh, I did manage to capture the uh, speedometer also. I didn't ha- I didn't have a uh, GPS box with me, a V-Box or one of those similar ones to kind of see exactly what was the time. But if you count the seconds, you know, on the video that's on YouTube, you can definitely see that it was, it was incredible fast. I mean, uh, I counted maybe 3.1 something or 3.2 seconds, which is incredible. But um, that was kind of, yeah, ridiculous fast. I mean, that was kind of like a perfect setup, right? Same pavement, two pro drivers. There was no issue with which one is a better driver. Not that, not that it matters too much when you have the launch control. Um, you know, same same tires, PSI. They actually, they checked the tires, PSI, before we went on the run to make sure they're, they're at spec. They did a few, um, maybe did a couple of laps to kind of warm up the tires. It was really a proper test. I mean, I wish I had the time to really capture all of that, but uh, I tried to uh, to hurry and just, you know, manage to, uh, to get some of it on video. And then I also wanted to see what the cars can do from a rolling start, right? Because that's where the advantage of the X-Drive system kind of fades away and the rear-wheel drive should be close to that. So they set up the um, uh, the cars at a 30 miles per hour roll, basically. So uh, uh, the cruise control at 30 miles per hour, and they start rolling. They did a couple of runs. And even though they started at the same speed, uh, you know, the MX drive, you know, the M4 X drive was still actually pulling ahead of the uh, rear-wheel drive. I mean, not by much from, you know, compared to um, to a standing start, but it was still getting more grip. So that was really, really interesting. Um, exactly. So, yeah, so that was that. So, I mean, then I, yeah. yeah. I wanted yeah. to ask you, um, just for people listening, because I, sure. I saw this in another video, uh, I forgot it was like Throttle House or one of those guys yeah. who tested the M4X drive. They said that it launches, if you use launch control, it launches in first gear, whereas the rear wheel drive car yes. launches in second gear. Yes, so that was the only true? difference. And you can see it on the video too. I forgot to mention that. Yes, that was okay. that was unique. Yeah, I didn't didn't think about that till we actually started to prepare for the sequence launch and we realized that yeah they're exactly what you uh, described uh, and yeah, i'm assuming I just that's because to of clarify yeah yeah 
Yeah, so I mean that was just just the just just the way the cards were set up. There was no other way to change that. I don't know what's the reason behind that on why there is a delta in between them, but we can always find out if somebody's interested in that. I think it's just because if the rear wheel drive one were to start in first gear because of how short first gear is, it would just rip its rear tires to pieces. That would make it sense. Would, you would never gain. Absolutely. Yeah, that would probably make sense. Yeah. So um yeah, so that's absolutely true. Yeah, that was the that was the caveat there. And then, of course, I wanted to get behind the wheel to test it myself. Uh, clearly, I was going at slower speeds than those guys did, but still, there was a lead car in front of me, so there was a uh, an instructor there, basically there to just lead us and you know follow his racing line and trying to get a feel of the track. I haven't been at that track in prior to COVID, so nineteen. It's been a while, and I totally forgot the track. It's an interesting track. It's got a couple of long straights, but at the same time, uh, some really technical corners. So you can you can test cars in in different settings basically, and I think we used M1, uh, MDM mode. There was no DSC off, even though I turned it off for just a little bit to see what it can do, and I can tell you a little bit more about that. But um, honestly, you know, going back to back, prior to that, I have to mention that I took a rear wheel drive on the track too, just to kind of you know uh, see what that does <laughs> compared to the X drive, and um, just. Immediately when I went with the M4X drive on the track after a couple of laps, I was significantly faster than I was in the rear-wheel drive. On the rear-wheel drive, I would have to constantly, you know, micro-adjust the steering, play, you know, have to counter-steer a lot, you know, trying to make sure that I'm on the perfect line all the time. The tail would spin like crazy, you know, and, and it's a lot more work. I mean, you you really have to work that car. Where Whereas on the, uh, on the X-drives, you know, the MX drive system, Honestly, you don't have to. You don't have to manage the car that much. You don't have to handle it that much. It's just you're able to even even when you brake hard and you go to the corner and maybe you're not catching the perfect line, you can still put that power down. And, and the car is just gonna keep you like on tracks and keep you on that line. The tail is not gonna spin. So you're still gonna be able to pull ahead. So I believe you know if two drivers you know they're at the same level, they go back to back with uh, rear wheel drive X. X drive the the X drive driver will always be faster on on track because of that. So that's one thing that I love the most, right? And I also love the fact that you know by the time it took me, uh, by the time that I got used to the track, I was making a couple of mistakes in corners, and with the rear wheel drive, that you know it would it would definitely drift a little bit off you know uh, off off the track. So I would have to constantly you know trying to make sure that I'm on that I'm on track. But the MX drive would actually correct me, so it would be a lot more intervention. You know clearly, as you expect from the uh, from the rear wheels, you know because of the MX drive system to keep the car on track. So I definitely felt safer and and significantly faster with that car. So um, there is there isn't really any other major difference in between the two, right? I mean, I did use the DSC off on the car a little bit, and as you'd expect, you know you would you'd start spinning a lot more. So I I put it back on immediately. Uh, you do have the option to do the two-wheel drive, which is more of a, um, you know, it, it's actually a, a rear, you know, setup, basically rear bias setup. And at that point, you just have a real wheel, real wheel drive. The, the DSC one thing that is I, all the way off, though, right? Yeah, yeah, DSC that? is all the way off on, yeah, on so that you one. Yeah, you have to be a proper lunatic. Exactly. So that's why I said, so that was the mode that I was in when I said DSCF. That was the mode that I was in. And basically, yeah. the, that's that's when I started to drift a lot more. Um um, but yeah, that's um, that's kind of my experience there. I mean, if you ask me which one I would pick, it's it's a no-brainer, right? The the X Drive in the M3 M4 would be a more composed car. It would be 
I would say um, if you live in an area where there is snow and it's cold and all of that, it's a no-brainer. You should not right. even, you know, think about it twice, honestly. And that's nice to have that option, you yeah. know, to get the uh, X-Drive system. Yeah, so it's funny because uh, I haven't driven the X-Drive one yet, um, but I'm going to soon. But I did drive the M3 competition uh, rear-wheel drive, and I remember driving it thinking that all-wheel drive would actually make it better. Um, and I know that we get a lot of commenters that kind of, uh, you know, they, they like to give all-wheel drive cars flack because, you know, BMW is a rear-wheel drive company and things like that. But uh, to me, with the new M3 and M4, they're just so powerful and so fast. I just, I feel like, don't be a hero. They're, they're so fast. Stick with the all-wheel drive. It's going to be uh, safer, faster, easier to use. And it's just less scary. Like, I remember like, the M3 kind of made me nervous a few times because it's so powerful now. You know, it's 500 horsepower. It, it needs all-wheel drive or it's going to bite you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the only time that I would pick uh, the rear-wheel drive M3 or M4 will be if I want a manual transmission. So Right, um, the, the standard, not the standard. Because one, the yeah. competition model X-Drive, it's only available with automatic so there is no manual option, but if you do get the base base M3, M4, then you can get a six-speed manual. So I would say that's probably the the selling point of that rear-wheel drive. If you get a base model with a six-speed manual and right. you still want to be a little bit of you know old-school type of driver, then that's your choice. But otherwise, I, I would pr I'm I'm gonna venture into saying this that. Uh, most of the M3, M4 sold in the U.S. in the next few years will likely be with X-Drive. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would say yeah. the vast majority of them will be X-Drive. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not cheap. I think they started on close to $80,000, I think 79 something. So they're not, yeah. they're not cheap. But, you, get a couple um, of, you get a nice paint and a few options and you're pushing 100000 in yeah, M3. I mean, it's crazy now. Yeah, so I mean, prices really have gone up. I, I don't even know if they have units available right now with all the shortage and all of that, but yeah, yeah. it's a different story. So yeah, so that was my, my experience with the car. I think, you know, once you get to drive the car and you have it for like a week, then we can talk more about what it is or how it feels to live with the car every day. I mean, my road driving was not as extensive as on the track. So um, I think once you have the car for about a week, maybe you can feel some of the differences maybe on some other, you know, roads, maybe on potholes yeah. and all of that. And, it makes a difference and it's going to get colder too for you in new jersey so that might be a good way yeah to um test the car i think they will put some from what i know they might put on some winter tires if you get close to um, i'm actually yeah i'm in discussion with the guy who runs their fleet right now we're yeah. trying to like schedule it. it's probably gonna be like late november early december yeah and at that point we just have to hope that they have winter tires for it because otherwise yeah, it might yeah. be a little sketchy and that'll be cool because that's really a good test right let's get some of the yeah. tires on it have the extra system now we can test the car in a different setup right so we don't have to be all about that tenths of a second you know kind of thing right. or going fast you just want to see what it feels like to live with a car in the winter right would you just right. drive normally daily commute and all of that and i think that's more interesting to me honestly than any track time that you can do with a car yeah and it's a novel idea for an m3 or m4 right like they've never had mm, exactly it's never been a winter option really for people because like yeah you can put winter tires on them but they're still rear-wheel drive and they're still they're still going to bite you because they're mm, you know really exactly. powerful so like yeah. you know people never really drove m3s in the winter not not much at least mm -hmm. you know and people in like colder climates like new england area you know they would prefer fast audis because of all-wheel drive and yeah. now they have this ability to sure. get an all-wheel drive m3 yeah. or m4 
you know, you put winter tires on it. It's a great, I think that's a great test. So I'm really hoping they do that. Yeah. So that'll be cool. All right. Yeah. So tell me about your experience with the B8 Grand Coupe because I drove the car before. So now it was your turn. Yeah. You got to drive it in Monterey, which is a lot prettier than New Jersey, but, um, Slightly. Uh, it, it's a great car. It really is. And I wasn't, a huge fan of the m8 grand coupe i just felt like it was i mean it's like teleportation fast like you put your foot down and it just you're in a different place yeah. without realizing the difference between the two places like you just are a suddenly in a different place it's just so mind-bogglingly fast but it wasn't really fun to drive it kind of was very vague but it also wasn't comfortable enough to be like a proper gt car like it was a little too firm and a little too loud um but then it didn't have like the sports car feel. So I always felt that the Alpina B8 would be the perfect solution for that. Like yeah. it would just kind of lean more into the GT side of that. And I thought that would be perfect. And so I was really excited to drive it. And then when I drove it, I realized I was absolutely right because the B8 is brilliant. I mean, it's, it's so, it's the perfect eight series. It is just ridiculously fast. I think it sounds better than the M8. Um, I think it's it's more engaging to drive to me. Um, I think I, I love the way Alpina did the transmission calibration because mm -hmm. they do their own like calibration on the the 8-speed transmission mm -hmm. and the all-wheel drive system and the rear-wheel steer. They do their own calibration on all of that stuff. Yeah. And like with the 8-speed auto in the the Alpina, you put it in Sport Plus mode, and I mean it has like dual clutch levels of shift feel like they're real snappy and immediate you know it kind of kicks you in the back a little bit just a little bit just to kind of give you that feel like this is a performance car and you know it just kind of felt more engaging the steering was a little bit like smoother sure. and, and kind of more direct it felt like from yeah. what i remember um it just i don't know there, there's a has this like really smooth kind of tactility to it that only alpinas have and it was it's just it, it, I really enjoyed it a lot more than the, the M8 Grand Coupe, or at least that I remembered uh, the M8 Grand Coupe. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, it's far more comfortable. So you put it in comfort mode, and it just, I mean, it just irons out bumps. It is so smooth and quiet. Um, and it's just, it's, it's better at everything, I think, than the M8 Grand Coupe. But may, yeah. maybe it's not as fast in a straight line, or it's not you know, as capable on a track, but who the hell is going to really track one of those because you know they're $140,000 luxury yeah. cars um but I think that the M8 or the B8 is a much better compromise or, or or rather it's a much better package overall and I wouldn't even if I was in the market I wouldn't even look at the M8 it would be straight to the B8 uh if, you know if the allocation was possible because it's just so much better um I even think it looks better but yeah. I was a little bummed out because whoever specced my car, like whoever specced my test car, they gave it, it was frozen bluestone metallic paint mm -hmm. and ivory white interior, which is fine. Like those are really cool colors. That's fine. But those are, you can get those on an 840i Grand Coupe. And this was an Alpina B8, which has its own specific Alpina colors. Like it's yeah. called, they're literally called Alpina blue and Alpina mm -hmm. green. So not specking one of those colors seems really odd to me. So it was like, it looked like a standard 8 Series because it was just in the regular 8 mm -hmm. Series color. Yeah. Um, so I was a little disappointed in the spec. So whoever specced that car, you mm -hmm. should have specced it in Alpina-specific stuff. And yours was the Alpina Green, right? The Alpina one you tested? Green, yeah. And it was gorgeous. Yeah. You know, and, and this one just kind of looked like a regular 840i Grand mm -hmm. Coupe. 
uh, if you didn't look at the wheels, which are, how do you not? Cause they're amazing looking, mm. but if you didn't notice the wheels, it just kind of looked like a regular eight series. And that was a little disappointing. Um, but aside from that, I absolutely adored that thing. Yeah. And, uh, interestingly, it's the only BMW I've tested in ages where I didn't play with any of the settings. Uh, like I didn't make an individual setting because my preferred setting was just straight to sport plus everything. Like normally I don't do that because the steering gets like artificially heavy and it doesn't give yeah. you, you know, any added feedback. There's no like real reason to, to put Sport Plus on most of the settings. But uh, in the Alpina, Sport Plus was the setting for everything. It, just, it worked the best in Sport Plus mode. Um, still yeah. really comfortable, crazy fast, handled well, uh, great steering, great sound. It just felt like it, it really kind of came alive in Sport Plus mode. Yeah. So I was really kind of happy about that i like that you could just crank it all the way up to 11 put all the you know every you know everything in its sportiest setting and just kind of go from there it was not only easier you just click sport plus you know but it uh it just felt more right to be able to just put everything in max attack mode and still be comfortable enough to drive in every day so i really really i I love that thing and for one hundred and forty thousand dollars, i mean that's not cheap but i actually think it's kind of a good deal because the closest car i can kind of compare it to uh in terms of like what it is mm-hmm. is an aston martin rapide you know just mm-hmm. a brutally fast four-door gt car that you know can handle a twisty road looks incredible seats for uh it's just kind of the, the only real comparison i can make um and i think that's super high praise especially when you consider mm-hmm. like aston martins are so yeah. much more expensive you know mm-hmm. on average so i think that was just it's an amazing car it's one of the sure. coolest cars bmw and uh, i guess alpina too i guess uh, it's one of the coolest cars they make it's just amazing yeah to me it's actually i wouldn't say the alpina b8 is better than the m8 i would say they're different uh, and i talked to some of the journalists also at this uh, this event uh, they're just so so different i mean the m8 it's really tuned up to be an extreme sports car with a lot of power and stiffer and all of that while the alpina b8 grand coupe it's definitely more of a grand tour than the M8 really is. I think it's, you know, if you're looking for a more comfortable, you know, calmer ride, I keep saying those words in my reviews, but I think that's the, that's kind of how I describe the um, the B8. Of course, you can turn it up, you know, in Sport, Sport Plus, but it's never going to be as aggressive and as no, dynamic no, no. as the M8. So they're different. I think, I don't know if their customers are overlapping. I think, I believe that they, I mean, especially, I know a few Alpina customers in the U.S. and I feel like they're, so loyal to the brand that they will always buy their products because they're kind of exclusive like in the US they're not that many they're unique right. and that's why they would buy it and they wouldn't consider an M8 Grand Coupe for example but um, yeah I mean it just comes down to preference if you want a nice car to drive long distances I would say probably the, the B8 it's the better Definitely. choice Definitely. It's, my, my uh, only beef with the M8 was that it, yeah. I felt that its performance wasn't like it didn't feel M enough to get it over the B8. Like, I didn't feel that it offers, um, like, enough of an edge to yeah. make it feel like a proper M car. And then it was also not great at being, a like, long-leg GT car like yeah. the Alpina is. Like, it's not as good at, at that as, being, uh, as the Alpina. Mm-hmm. So I just, I kind of felt like it was this tweener, that it was just kind of, like, it wasn't yeah. great at one thing or the other. It sure. was, like, okay at both. Whereas the Alpina really excels at one thing, like it's a, yeah. it's an incredible GT car. So I just felt like it's, yeah. it felt like it, uh, it had more purpose. The Alpina, whereas the, to me at least, maybe it's just my opinion. But I yeah, like I mean, I guess 
was it didn't have as clear of a focus. Yeah. Okay. All right. So speaking of Grand Coupes, I mean, there is one that I can talk about also that just came out and I drove the car, the M440i Grand Coupe. So that's the uh, second generation, right? I think they, this is the second one. Yeah. I don't think they've had, um, yeah, just two of them, right? Yeah. So um, yeah. I drove that car also. Um, it wasn't a long drive, you know, maybe shorter than, than I usually do. But I guess the idea was I really wanted to see um, or trying to understand really who the customer for that car is. And I think that's one of the things that I talk about in my video review is, you know, who's really the customer. And I believe, you know, I was making a comparison with a 3 Series sedan. Why would you pick one versus the other one? In the past, it was a little bit more complicated because you had to um, you had to throw into the mix also the um, uh, Gran Turismo, the 3 GT. So yeah. there was a lot of overlap there. You had a sedan, the GT, and now you had a, the Grand Coupe. But now they took out the GT, so there are only two. So in my opinion, you know, driving that car, I think I would pick it over a 3 Series sedan just because it felt to me a little bit more refined, more stylish, uh, a little bit more room. I, I, not by much, but definitely a little bit more room. The trunk is definitely uh, yeah. bigger because of the you know the the opening and and the There's additional space and also because it's a little bit longer. Um, I also yeah. love I mean on the on the Grand Coupe I do love the um, frameless doors. I think they always look cool. Yeah, and I forgot that that's a that's a difference in style. Between yeah, that's a different style, and I think only the IX has it. That's not a Grand Coupe right now, so it, it's always they always kind of look cool. Honestly, they're um, yeah. They're it's more cool on a sedan, you know. Yeah, a lot and of coupes have you know frameless exactly. door, like, yeah, uh, true, frameless true. doors, but yeah. on a sedan, it's pretty cool. On to a see, sedan, yeah. yeah. And um, I know some people hate the the flushed handles. You know, oh, I like them. I think yeah, I actually like them too. And I um, and I talked to the designer, you know, for the two series, and he was telling me that you know it was a design choice. It's it, they also like it too because they can work a lot more with the shapes on the side because basically when you had a door handle before it was a lot tougher to to break the um uh the top design from the bottom one so now they can work with that shape a little bit better um so they said that's you know from a from a designer perspective they should like that so not having it's to probably smoother for aero right and i mean clearly definitely a little bit more uh, aerodynamic and all of that right. and uh, it's probably just easier to get a better CD, but they, they I, he did say this specifically that you know it makes his life easier when you, when you have to when you have to design that that you know uh, side side view because now you can really run the lines you know through the you know through the higher panel he said so you don't have to break it you know or go below or or uh, above the uh, door handle or something like that I have right. to look back but. Um, I do like it, honestly. So from a design perspective, I do like it. Of course, you know, if you're not into the large grill, um, then, you know, the 3 Series sedan, it's a it's a really <laughs> safe and great choice. You can't go wrong with that. Driving experience, um, it's a little bit heavier than the sedan, especially heavier than the 4 Series Coupe. Um, I think I keep getting conflicting uh, data or information there, but I would say it's at least uh, 50 pounds um, heavier, if not more than the coupe um driving you do feel that a little bit more because it's also longer and taller so if you're driving the four series coupe especially the m440i coupe you, you're driving a lot sportier in that car you can feel it's a little bit more nimble uh, a little bit more responsive it's also faster on zero to 60 zero to 62 by just a little bit but nonetheless faster and just off the line you can feel that the coupe or even the convertible there uh, um there's you know they're faster so 
Otherwise, the driving experience is kind of similar. I would say um, I did feel like the driving modes, uh, they were a little more spaced out compared to the coupe. So you had a, a bigger gap in between the Comfort and Sport Plus. And I think that's what they're doing right now with all the new models. They're, they're including a bigger gap in between them. So if you really want to go comfortable, I mean, the 440i was really soft. In that Comfort mode, it was extremely, extremely soft. Um, it will just make for a good, you know, long distance, uh, you know, vehicle if you want that. If you tune it up into Sport Plus, you're going to get the same, you know, specs that you're getting in the coupe or the convertible. So they can, you know, kept that um, Did they keep, the same. like, is Sport Plus, like, more similar to the coupes and then they just made Comfort softer? They made is the Comfort softer from what I can tell. But I think the Sport Plus is kind of similar to what you get, like, okay. in the coupe. So I think that's kind of, that was kind of the, I mean... Honestly, I would probably have to go back to back on the same route, you know, yeah. one after another to really tell. So that was, it's not a scientific, uh, you know, discovery that I've made, but um, that was my impression. But overall, I did like the car, aside from that Kinney Grill, which could look odd in special colors. In Adventure in Red, it's actually not bad because it's got a nice black frame around it, so it kind of blends in. But um, the rear end, it's it's beautiful. The side view, it's really nice. Three-quarter view looks beautiful. So anything like that, if you're looking from those angles, it's great. Inside yeah. is spacious. Honestly, I, I went in the front seat, of course, and the back seat to kind of see the headroom. I'm quite tall. I said it before, 6'2-ish, 6'3", so uh, 1.89, 1.9 meters tall. So uh, I always have a hard time with uh, grand coupes or coupes in the back. And I had about at least, I would say three inches of headroom if not oh, really? more in like in the back yeah which was quite nice because so I little fellows like me will fit really well yeah, yeah it will be totally fine and even, even the legroom honestly i mean i pushed the car a little bit uh, i pushed the seat a little bit forward you know as a normal person would you know drive and i still had plenty of room so nice space inside typical yeah. grand coupe design there so i actually like it i mean it's um it's a it's a niche car it's not going to be the biggest seller out of the three and four series for sure um i'm kind of wondering if it's gonna how many they're gonna sell compared to the coupe eventually but um it's a nice alternative if you don't want the sedan and you want the four door it's stylish yeah. and spacious i would definitely pick that one for sure yeah it's definitely going to be an interesting there's definitely going to be more of or less of an overlap between three series customers and four series grand yeah. coupe customers now i think mainly because of the styling so now you have to contend with that yeah. you have to say like, do i want the practicality and that four series styling mm -hmm. or do i want to go because in my opinion and i think the majority of our readers say the same thing is that the three series is the better looking car yeah. um because of the front end i actually yeah, really like the, the way end, the four yeah. series grand coupe mm -hmm. looks like from the front wheels back i think it looks yeah. great yeah. um but that front end really is polarizing for a lot of customers and sure. i think the three series is a really handsome face so yeah. um i think that's going to be the, the a huge like uh differentiator in terms of customers and also, like you said, it's more comfortable and it's a little more. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what's the price difference. That's one thing that I haven't talked about in my review. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, what is the price on the? Yeah, which is to look. But I, I'm assuming the 440i Grand Coupe might be a little bit more expensive than an M340i, maybe by just a little. Probably, bit. yeah. Just by the positioning of the of the models, probably. But then you have to contend know. that, like, uh, you have to. Is that you know a few thousand dollars more worth the extra practicality and the yeah. you know the ride quality? Because I think the four series is a little bit smoother than the three series, from what I remember. I'm yeah, so the I mean the initial so the facelift it's not coming out yet, but the initial three series that came out the G20, uh, all the suspension in 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 those models it, they were 
it was pretty stiff, especially in the in the with the sports suspension, not yeah, the adaptive. Were, yeah. It was really stiff. I mean, we're talking like it would bounce you around, and you would you you would not be a, a ton of complaints. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I actually like it because if you drive, sporty, I was fine with it. If you drive sporty, it's it's cool. You get a lot of feedback, you know. Yeah, from I that actually suspension. I really liked it, but yeah. Um, but uh, it's were, I remember there were twitchy. a lot of complaints. Yeah, so I'm I'm assuming they will fix that in a facelift that make it a little bit softer. I have no doubt. Um, but I'd probably deal the 440i Grand Coupe. It's a little bit softer, especially in the comfort mode and the 3 Series. Is, Even the Coupe, again, I think, is it rides better than the 3 Series. Yeah, they've definitely fixed that in the Coupe for sure. So it's probably yeah. the same thing in the Grand Coupe. But then again, I don't think that people that buy those two cars will look at that. But it, people that buy the Grand Coupe, the 4 Series, they're going to be like, oh, I actually like that grill and I want that car. Well, versus somebody that's more conservative, they're gonna say, "Well, I do get the four doors in the in the three series, and I do enjoy the uh, Kinney grill on that car. I'm gonna pick that." Or in the U.S., as we often do, we buy the cars based on the lease deal that we get or on the price <laughs> and all of that. So if I can, if I can get a better lease deal on the 440i Grand Coupe or M440i Grand Coupe, then I'll probably pick that car over the M340i sedan. Same engine, same specs, and so. Yeah. You're not missing. I mean, probably the sedans will be faster just because it's uh, smaller. But that's about it. So that was my experience with the car. I mean, nothing, nothing more to report on that. We'll, um, by the time this podcast is out, you will see the video review on our YouTube channel. So make sure to go there to take a look at that. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to watch and read about that because yeah. it's one. I'm, it's a car I'm curious about. Yeah, I kind of want you to get the car for a week and see. Um, See what you think about the yeah, space, really. Like, you know, put a car seat in there, right. maybe load up the trunk a little bit. It's kind of, that's kind of, that's that's a real task because that's really what a family would use the car for. And that's right. what it's really meant for, I think. So that would be the the proper test. We we'll load it up, uh, see how much space you've got in the back, in the trunk, you know, car seats and all of that. And that's a, that's a more that's real life world. test than anything else. That's why I didn't take the car on the track because there was no point for that car to yeah, go on the track. I don't think it's, I mean, it's yeah. probably fun to do, but I, I yeah, don't think you're going to get much useful information out exactly. of it on track. Yeah. So it's not a track car, you know. Exactly. All right. So we can move on. So what was the last topic? The um, upcoming yeah, well, you car? Have, you have an interesting new M product yeah. to, to tease so, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So next week, um, I mean, there was, it's not, it's not a secret anymore, especially since BMW North America uh, issued a press release last week saying, hey, guys, stop by the, um, uh, it's called the Space at the Groove in Los Angeles. It's this space they've rented for the whole year to kind of showcase some of their latest products. They've done the i4 and iX, and now they're using this to um, to show a new car because they're not present at the LA Auto Show. So to them, it's it's about having a presence in that week and having journalists and people to stop by and um, and see this new product. It's going to be behind closed doors, um, so no cameras allowed. Uh, there will be a media and press first, and I believe probably some VIP customers after that will get a chance to see the car behind closed doors before it's unveiled actually on November 29th, I believe. Does that give away what it is? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they didn't say in the press release what it is, right? They only said, oh, this brand new car from the M brand, you know, plug-in hybrid, high-performance sports car, or not sports car, high-performance uh, car. And, and it doesn't take a scientist, especially us right. that we know the brand so well. We've been talking about this car for the last, I just looked the other day, Starting in 2019 when we talked about the X8M. Wow. It was called, I mean, we called it the X8M or X8, but it was really never the name. I think the, the final name will 
99% be XM. Um, there will be some other uh, numbers coming after that or even other names coming after that. I will, I will reveal that as we get close to the, uh, to the reveal date. It's an interesting one, how they're going to name that car, but I don't want to give it away all today before we publish an article. But um, so yeah, so BMW XM, it's a bespoke, basically M car. You've talked about it. We've talked to uh, Marcus Flash, the former MCO, about the car. He mentioned, you know, that something it's coming along those lines. A bespoke M car. Everybody initially thought it was a you know supercar, like we always hope, but it's really not. It's going to be a massive, big car. Uh, sitting above the X7, I don't know, it's going to compete, trying to figure out which segment it's going to compete in, Range Rover top models? Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be sportier than that, maybe Probably, yeah. Jag, the SVR, the S maybe, face yeah, SVR so maybe. It might be bigger than the SVR probably. Probably, probably bigger, bigger, but yeah. the Range Rovers aren't, even the even their big fast ones, they're not yeah. sporty, you know, they're like, they're just fast in a straight line and, and big. Yeah, and then days after I published the story, I mean, it was really not a big surprise. I think BMW expected me or us to, you know, do the math and figure that's the car. But um, there was a leak actually on one of the forums. I don't know where it came from. It's still, I don't know. I don't really want to know, honestly. But there was a leak that came out from somewhere inside the plant, maybe the plant or maybe preview room, not sure what they showed a new v8m engine which looked nothing like yeah. what we see on the market today and that's an engine that we've talked about in the past that i yes. think in 2019 we mentioned that we've heard about a new v8 engine that might be called s68 maybe yeah i, I think, think that's, that's the name that we the i just looked it up a little bit earlier um i think was we mentioned s68 let me make sure i don't see yeah so we said s68 that might be the new name of the engine it looked different you talked about the car too that you know the body engine bay that's got some addition bracing and you can tell it's a it's a massive v8 there um but as we know as we've heard um it's likely to be a hybrid and bmw said it's it's a hybrid so you can actually tell from that picture had those big thick orange cables mm. yeah under the hood yeah. that you mm. see for plug-in hybrids those yeah. like high voltage those yeah. are really thick high voltage cables exactly so it will make over 700 horsepower. I, we've heard 750. I don't know if that's the final figure, but definitely over 700 horsepower. It will be a V8 uh, paired with uh, with electric motors, basically. Um, there will be uh, allegedly two additional models. There will be also hybrids, but it will be paired to a six-cylinder. So this might be the only one that's a you know top model with a V8, but the others will be a six-cylinder. I We've talked about some spec there. I mean, there's still kind of speculations and rumors. I don't have the figures on those, but we will likely see three different models and the top one being, you know, this V8 hybrid. And what's interesting though, it's not just this, is the fact that when BMW makes an engine like this or a drivetrain like this, they don't make it just for one car. I mean, right. they always reuse those components, those engines, those power plants, drivetrains, whatever, right. in future models. So the question is right now, was this the engine designed for this car particularly, or was it designed first for the M5 that's coming up and then put into this car? Because this is just a concept, the XM. Right. So it's X, it's BMW concept XM probably. Uh, from what I heard, it might be like a lot of gold, bronze accents on it. So it's really going to stand out. It's like very luxurious in design. 
um, controversial with you know split headlights as we've seen the, the spy photo so that will be controversial but there will be a lot of bling on, on it to make it you know even more premium and more luxurious but it's just a concept because the car the car itself won't be revealed till fall uh, of next year so 2022 and it will go into production december 2022 at the um, spartanburg plant as the bnw ceo said in an interview a few months oh, back it will, so it will be built in spartanburg oh yeah definitely split in spartanburg yeah and that's why i think that that sleek photo might have been out of the plant you know it looks like a, a plant photo I don't but, be that um, yeah so 2023 launch time um so what we're seeing right now, it's a concept, but that's kind of the idea of that engine. I think we will see that engine first on the road in the new M5 because the new M5 will also be out 2023. I think the 5 Series comes out next year. So yeah, so we'll see which one launches first um, like on the market, but those two cars will absolutely use that engine. I have no doubt that the M5 uses that engine. There is zero doubt because you know, it's not going to go fully electric immediately with the, with the, M, with the M5. No. I think we'll have to wait a little bit longer past 2025 when we will see. I expect past 2025 to see the M5 in a in a in a in ice configuration, in a hybrid, and potentially fully electric. So there'll be three options for a while, but that's just my guess. But nonetheless, that um, I think that that engine will will end up in the um, in in other models as well. Yeah. So that's kind of the big reveal for next week. I will have a walk around interview with um, the new now new and prior new MCO uh, yeah Frank Van Meel yeah. so Frank would actually uh, be on site and um, I booked some time with him to walk around the car and talk about the project what I do want to find out from him is you know because he's been he left M to go to another uh, BMW division maybe two and a half two and a half years ago three close so I want to find out if that was still his project or it was Marcus Flash that started the project and now you know Frank is kind of finishing it up or it was his idea from the get-go so I will yeah. definitely ask that question we'll see what he says but uh, I want to find out about the car I want to find out about the M strategy what the plans are especially you know him coming back I want to see what that means for the brand I'm assuming you know he's been on the electrification side quite a bit lately with the he was responsible for the ix and some other um and the i7 that's coming out so he's got the experience right now in that in that field so i'm assuming he will apply that to him so that's yeah. big news for next week and um we will have some cool stuff to share and then we will see probably the car again we'll have to do another podcast episode about it yeah, yeah, exactly. So talk after after I see the car, we can definitely do a podcast to talk about it, and I can, yeah. you know, share my uh, real life impressions of the car. I've heard so much about that car, so I honestly cannot wait to see it. Yeah, um, I'm very curious to hear about it as well because, yeah. uh, I like you said, we've been talking about it for so long, and I remember when there were rumors that BMW M was going to be working on a standalone product, us yeah. kind of pestering the BMW guys about it. Uh, and I remember talking to Marcus Flash for the first time about it, and he was like real hush. He was like, ah, I don't want to say, he like, didn't want to talk about it. So now that it's finally like really here, yeah. uh, I am very curious to see what it what it is and what like what does M make from the ground up, you know, mm -hmm. because they never have done that before. Yeah. Um, well, they kind of did with the original M1, but they weren't really the M division yeah. yet then, but. Um, yeah, I think I'm the concept will be interesting also from a, from a design perspective inside to just interrupt you for a second. I just remember yeah, now no, no. before I finish it up. Um, I've heard it might be a little bit like, you know, different inside, especially in the rear seating area, bench so. area. So I'm curious Ooh, to see what you give done. it M5CS rear seats. No, I'm more like on the comfortable side. I'm not more like a, a 
sporty side, you know. But I, I think it's yeah, going to be positioned a as a high-end. Yeah, it's going to be positioned as a high-end luxury XUV. I don't expect it to be crazy expensive. We'll probably start over 100000 for the base model. But then, of course, the competition or whatever the top model will be called eventually. We can talk about that next. Um, um, we'll see how much how much that will be, but I don't expect to be crazy expensive, you know, honestly. Um, but yeah, yeah, very uh, very interesting news coming out. Definitely one of the biggest of the year before we move into the new year, where there will be a lot of new BMW products next year. So a lot more to yeah. talk about M next year for sure. I mean, M, it's going to have a big year next year, 50 years anniversary, and they're playing a lot of cool stuff. So exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. So it's fun. Losing my voice, I think I talked too much today, but <laughs> that's all I had. I think next time it's you talking more. And actually, you can tease your next podcast. You have you have you have a cool guest too. So, um, oh, do you yeah, want to tease yeah. that? Yeah. So, do you want to just outright say who it is? Or? Yeah, sure. I just yeah, tease so it. I mean, it'll be cool. guy. You know, someone I've wanted to talk to for a while, and uh, someone who's like, kind of like legendary in the BMW tuning scene. We're gonna have Steve Dynan on. Um, and he, you know, if you don't know who Steve Dynan is, look look up, you know, Dynan Tuning. He doesn't have that anymore. He sold that. He's got yeah. a new company, um, Carbon, Carbon, and they tune more than BMWs now. They do BMW, Audi, Mercedes, Porsche, um, basically any German, you know, yeah. sports car. But, I mean, his BMWs are always set up the best. I mean, Dynan Tuning BMWs are great. So I'm really excited to talk to him. He's one of those guys who just has, like, a wealth of knowledge. You know, yeah. he just, just gonna, every time he talks, you learn something new about BMW tuning. So it's, it's I'm very excited about that. Yeah. should be a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. So. Cool. All right, guys. So that's all we had for today. As always, we'll have the episode up on YouTube. Um, always yep. make sure to subscribe to our podcast and all the podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, this, everywhere pretty much. And then, of course, you can see us on YouTube as well. But um, that's all we had for today, Ryan. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. Yep, you too, man. And we'll catch you on the next one.